Six to play in a season where the margins are oh so small and it sharpens the mind when the difference between winning and losing is sitting sixth or sitting 11th. Essendon and the Western Bulldogs come to the closed roof of Marvel on a Friday night at nine wins and eight losses. They are seventh and eighth and one is going up and one is going to stumble right down as the events of round 19 unfold. AFL Nation is for elders. When listing your property, think elders real estate and for tyre power, four for three on selected Falcon tyres. Jared Waitley with you. We're going to ride the ups and downs of the emotional roller coaster with Bulldogs legend Brad, Brad Johnson. Hello, Brad. Uh, good evening, Jared. You're right. It's going to be that, I think, uh, tonight. A little bit a little bit nervous underneath it all, of course, having watched them live last week and, and seeing the performance that they did put up against the, the Sydney Swans after a fast start was, was disappointing. And it was probably the, the most disappointed I've seen a group post-game. Turning up at the hotel afterwards and, and being there at the same time that they walked in. I wasn't waiting for them at the door, by the way, Jared. Uh, so that was, the, that was the thing. Seeing them come in, speaking to Bont and, and understanding the disappointment behind it, they get a chance to try and rectify that tonight. It was enough to have you punching brick walls, wasn't it? <laughs> Dermot Burton, good evening. <laughs> good evening. Yeah, really looking forward to this one. I know the doggies are better than what we've been seeing in the last couple of rounds. Uh, the Bombers, they've been a little hamstrung. I think Phillip's back in tonight. Um, that'll give them a little bit more impetus around the ball. Looking forward to it. But Bradley, you've got to divorce <laughs> yourself from your team. In fact, you know what Never I've discovered? Done. Never. When your team goes really bad and goes right down to the end of the ladder, there's no pressure. It's liberating <laughs> there's, them. There's no pressure to Barrick. You can be critical of them. You can, be, uh, 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 you can applaud them. Because no one expects them to win. But when you're caught in there where you just think, if, if, if you're still striving, <laughs> you start clawing to things and it affects the way you look at the world. Mm, it does. Let go. <laughs> no. No way. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever let go. Because you'll be there soon. The Hawks will come and you'll be there yeah, look, exactly where we are now. Don't want to sound trite about it. But we've had our time in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to him, Jared. To Seriously, sick, isn't it? really. I've never had him. I've never had him come out like that. Enough to make and you sick. You've had enough to celebrate it with your own club yeah, over recent good. times, but. Yeah. When you're hearing that, no, it must on. be good to win one in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Russell rounds out our quartet tonight. Hello to you, Dwayne. So one premiership in 100 years versus 1961, 71, 76, 78, 83, 86, 88, 89, 91, 2008, 2013, 2014 and 2015. Hawthorne's won them. It's kind of regular. 
to nope. think this bloke was my idol too. Now it's nuts. Slowly, yeah, you're mud. slowly you're just disintegrating. But it is it, be I, a humble victor and don't rub it into the poor guy. I tell you what though, when when your team does and you got love for your team, as you know, I love my club, um, like you love yours. When they go down the end, you you, you find it. It is. It's liberating. Oh. You don't have to ride every emotion. It's not really, you can look at it. Non-critically. For a team that doesn't last down the bottom long. The dogs were down the bottom for a while. They nearly got merged. Or so did Hawthorne, I suppose. Yes, yes. Mm. We've won three since then. But um, (laughs) it didn't matter how many flags we've won. won That's four. We've won four. Um, That was liberating. (laughs) What nearly merging was liberating. No, not not having to worry about it. You know, that's, that's a really good point you make. And just quickly, the fact that the Bulldogs winning it in 2016... That cleaned up everything yeah. for the football club and keeps, seen, keeps them here for yeah. forever in, in some ways. Yeah, off imagine the back of winning it. Imagine being Ross Flegeltorp. <laughs> he barracks for the Saints. Yeah, that's, that, that is one in 100 years. The Bulldogs at least two in 100 <laughs> yeah. years. So, yeah, exactly. let me clarify that. Thanks, Dwayne. To what's in front of us tonight. So, the yep. dogs are just underperforming by their own expectations, never mind the outside. I feel like Essendon are running just a little ahead of what they might have forecast. They're seventh and eighth, and they're both gripping on with with dreams of September. It's it's more damning for one than the other, but the opportunity is equally so for them tonight. Very presentable, isn't it? The thing is with the dogs, that we look at this team, we look at the way they've structured up and the way they've set about making this list, and they've pretty well got... Nobody has exactly what they want, because they run out in the ground and you've got to cover some holes and you exploit some of the opposition's uh, deficiencies as well. But they've got... A young key forward complementing another young approaching middle age in football terms key forward. So they want for nothing in the forward half. They have arguably the best ball clearance team in the comp. And they've plugged a few holes down in the back line and they've recruited for the back line. A couple of things have gone a little differently. I mean, you recruit Alex Keith, you're looking at that and saying, right, he will be our intercept defender. You've turned him into a lockdown defender, but then then you go out and get um, Jones. Uh, uh, Jones, Liam Jones and say, right, he will be our number one key defender. So you get him, he's a little bit injured at the moment and, and not presenting, but... So most things have gone right for the desires of this team. What is happening with them at the current point in time is you've got a team that loves winning the ball and in their DNA, they love to get perfect exit from a stoppage, which means they keep flicking the ball around by hand until somebody can perfectly run forward and deliver. But in that time, it takes time and people further afield on the opposition redesign their stance, their position against the dogs forwards and it's tougher to score. The only bloke who gets the ball going forward really quickly is Adam Trelaw and he's been kicking it dreadfully. So you're betwixt and between from the stoppage, which is arguably their greatest strength. Well, you look at the dogs, for me, it's... I agree with everything you said there, Dern, but also it's just there's, a, there's just too big a gap between, you know, the, the players. Their, their top end's going really well. They're superstars in the competition. They perform week in, week out. Then you've got a middle tier that's, that's going okay, but the bottom tier in their 22 is just not... Is that age? Everything. Is yeah. that age? It's a little bit of age and inexperience in, in the game. No, no question. But, but doesn't everybody but dif- have that? Yeah, they do. But that's the difference between Collingwood's bottom six, 
who you look at at the moment, you go, wow, well, Port Adelaide's bottom six in their 22, you're going, well, they're, they're contributing. And that's the difference at the moment with where the Bulldogs sit because all of a sudden the, the, it's normally three or four you've got on your list because Jones would normally take one spot of one of the youngsters and then a Johannesson as well. So then you're not trying to carry as many in that bottom part of your youngsters trying to establish themselves in the game. And they're just not getting enough from those guys. And two of them are out tonight in, in O'Donnell. Um, uh, O'Donnell's out and McNeil's out. So you come in with some experience, at least with Bailey Smith. So takes should be a tick in terms of his inclusion. Then you've got Baker, who was very good last week. He's got AFL experience, can play quite consistently at the, at the top level. So he comes in as well. So all of a sudden that gap, Mightn't be as big tonight as what it has been in recent weeks for, for guys not really offering too much on game night. It's a great discussion, isn't it? There's no doubt that list management at the bottom end is pivotal. Like so, so many people used to come up to me, and, and the, the name we used to use at, at Hawthorne was uh, the young lad who was a back flanker, a bit of a run with uh, Tom Murphy. And people would come up to me and they'd say, why do we play Tom Murphy? And I'd say, because we have to balance the books. Tom's a great soldier. He's not a champion. But for every Lance Franklin you have on a super wage, you must have somebody down the other end on minimum wage. And if you can get those minimum wage players who are great soldiers and make the right decisions and attempt to do the right things, you're in a whole lot better place than somebody who is just not up to the standard. I think St Kilda is probably the best example around that 2010 era where the bottom of their list, they probably had two, maybe three, who weren't, you'd say, not really league players. But they had to play them because Mm. the top six, the wage of those players at St Kilda took the lion's share. And it imbalanced it a little bit. So... The balance of the list for your blokes down the, the bottom end is so important. I agree with that with Essendon, from Essendon's point of view as well tonight because you look at their bottom in their, in their 22 that they've got going out there tonight. Durham's one, Hobbs maybe another, and he's having a very good year. Hobbs is going to be a star. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. The Cox comes in. So you're saying that about Essendon's bottom three or four players where the Bulldogs, I think there's still question marks around their bottom three or four players, whether they will be... Uh, an average player, a good player, a very good player, or a star in, in the competition. Because I look at Hobbs and I'm saying, if injuries stay away, he's a 200-game player. Can yeah. you look at your the Doggies' last four in and say they're going to play 100? No, not, not at the moment. You're not I sure about no. it, are you? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, and okay. just to confirm what you're talking about, Collingwood have dropped Ash Johnson, Billy Frampton, Oleg Markov. So they can't get a game. So the, their emergency is Jack Ginevan, Oleg Markov, Ash Johnson, Billy Frampton can't even make the emergencies list. Markov's stiff there, isn't he? He'll be, going, I well. would imagine, given how well he's going and what he gives that team, yep. I, I would yeah, bet London to a brick that he will be the, um, the sub, nominated sub. Yeah, you're probably right there. What what of Essendon's trajectory? So they've had really good moments. They had a shocker last week down at Geelong in, in a very Cadinia Park kind of way. Um, how easily do they wipe that and just try to get back to where they were? So the first way to look at Essendon is, in 2021, we assumed that Essendon were going to be somewhere like what we're seeing this year. They had a down year last year. So that's lowered our expectations. Now we're looking at, at as they've 
they're exceeding expectations. Take 2022 out. This is what we expected them to do, be around this sort of part. The way they finished off that season two years ago, uh, I've, I've liked what they've done. They're some more solid down in defence. They were just leaving them out, hanging them out one-on-one to, you know, to, to fight the battle and eventually lose the battle down there in defence. But I think they've got a better system. They, they, they guard for each other a little bit better down there. They're a more stable club too, Derm. I think off the back of Brad Scott, his appointment. There's, for once, we're not hearing the rumblings behind the scenes. It's been, it's, I'm not, don't want to moz it, but it's been a good gap in their season where there hasn't been Haven't had been one two. call about remove the coach. How many did we get last year, Jared? Yeah. yeah. But it was it was more than that too with what was going on in the uh, you know in the in administration and the Does back end that, and the board as well. Yeah. yeah, that's more the more to the point because I mean people could say they just see the coach sitting on the bench and and Brett Rutten, uh, Ben Rutten was somebody who acted fairly impassively. Yeah, he just was emotionless on the bench and I think some supporters wanted to see emotion, wanted to see that he was emotionally hurting. And so they make those calls, but does that really affect the playing list? I don't think so. It affects some clubs. The good clubs it doesn't affect, but I think it does. What did it affect the Suns? It affected the whole Saturday. It affected the blokes in the top office. Well, if it affects them, then it affects the club. Then it affects the club. Okay. All right. We'll pick up that side of things in a moment. We're inside the Bulldogs camp at the start of our broadcast tonight with the executive director of football, Chris Grant. Granny, great to have you on AFL Nation. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, boys, for having me on. Are you feeling just a level of frustration at the moment as this team strives to grow into what you imagine it should be? Uh, yes and yes. Um, yeah, no, it has been a little bit like that. It's um, The good is incredibly encouraging, um, and the, the frustrating part about that is just the inability to be able to do that over a quality four-quarter performance. Uh, we've had a game or two um, where we have been able to do that, and we really like what we saw. Um, and then, you know, we've, we've played some very good football against some very good football teams, um, teams that are at the top of the ladder um, or near the top of the ladder and certainly teams above us. Um, so we like what we see when we do it well, um, just not consistently enough at the moment. Hey, Chris Dermott here. Um, good luck tonight. Can Thanks, I ask you where you were in 2016? I know it's a way back, but where you were, the pitch downwards... The, the, the curve up, and well, let's hope that the curve's going up still. How far up are you on that curve? How close are you to where you want? I know the end result will justify itself as a, a flag, but in your opinion, how far up the upward curve are you towards the ultimate? Oh, good question, Derm, um, and a hard one to answer um, quickly. I, you know, on, on reflection, I think over the, um, the period of time, um, obviously we, uh, we spiked and spiked very quickly um, and then an enormous change to the list and personnel um, you know, during the, the 17 to probably 20 period. Um, you know, and the personnel that uh, we weren't really um, forecasting that we'd uh, lose from the team as quickly as we did, um, you know, Clay Smith, um, Liam Pick and uh, Dale Morris, um, you know, Boydie, we'd, we'd sort of anticipate, as in Matthew Boyd, we'd anticipate it was, you know, probably coming sooner rather than later. Um, but, you know, the reason I'm referencing those plays is because of the, the hard edge and the stability that they provided us um, in the positions that they played. Um, so we, we found the going tough um, during that, that 17 to, to 20 period. Um, and then obviously we came out of it um, and spiked again to, to make a grand final in 21. 
Um, where we are at the moment, um, it is hard to know because the inconsistency um, has been consistent. Um, and, and, that, and that means that um, we're not really able to get a real fair handle on uh, on where on that line we might be at the moment, Derm, because you know, until we're able to do it over, sort of, I guess, multiple weeks um, to give us a good look at it, um, it's probably a bit hard to say at the moment. Um, the encouraging thing, as I sort of referenced before, um, is that the good footy is very good. Um, we've been able to really test some very good teams, um, as I said, that are um, towards the top of the ladder and on top of the ladder, um, and we've really liked what we've seen. Um, our challenge um, and in the run home is we've really got to find that consistency and find it quickly um, because we just can't rely. I know we've done it very well in 16 and 21 with our run during the final series, um, but you lose. You, you, know, you, you open yourself up to you know, um, one misstep uh, and you're out. Um, and we want to be in a position where we've got a, uh, an ability to be able to um, have uh, confidence in what we're going to do by the time we get to the final series as opposed to a surprise. So the reason I was asking the question is because I'm struggling to identify where you are plotted on this graph at the moment, I know everybody, the perfect world you've got start. You've got an All-Australian team, you know, you're 18 of them out there on the ground at any one time. That doesn't happen. But for what you want on field in this football club, and don't name positions, don't name names, have you got everything you want? Uh, yeah, so sort of when we forecast forward, you know, I, I still think we're... Um, We've got the ability to uh, to find a higher watermark with a few of our boys at the moment, and when obviously bringing Liam Jones and, and Rory to the team, it's just this ability um, defensively and, and up forward. Um, yeah, probably where uh, we were hoping to be able to see, and we were really encouraged over the pre-season period and a couple of those pre-season games with what we saw around the square. Um, you know, a few of those boys, um, you know, coming through like you know the Westies and you know, those types of players, where we were really sort of hoping to get a, a really consistent jump from them um, because that's really the type of player. Um, that we need, um, not so much on the outside, but just the ability to be able to run and carry the ball and support Marcus and Tom and Jackson and those types of players through the middle of the ground. And, you know, what, what hurts us a little bit, um, and it's you know, really good to have Adam back into the team, uh, but having Adam out of the team and him still working through to full fitness where he can really open up to his uh, top velocity, um, you know, we're still working towards that. So I think from a list perspective, we're not wanting much. Um, so that says to us, and you know, we do ask a question of, of ourselves um, fairly regularly, um, that this team is very capable and, and can challenge. Um, but the reason we're not able to challenge at the moment is because a few of those boys just aren't able to find the consistency that we thought in 2023 that they would. So our challenge is to, to get them there. Turtle, how do you turn last week's disappointment into into a motivation to, to win tonight? What's it been like during the week? It's very rare you see the skipper in, in Bont, the frustration post the final siren, throwing the mouth guard onto the, onto the ground, and then um, obviously the disappointment uh, off the back of that as a collective team, you know, seeing you guys at the, at the end of the game last weekend. So how do you turn that? How have you worked this week to, to get that motivation level back to where it should be? 
Uh, I think just reiterating, um, you know, what all the good things were because there were so many of them throughout the course of the game. You know, even though that Sydney got um, those little sort of run on of a few goals in a row during the middle part of the game, um, our, our good football and our, our ball movement was was very positive. So uh, it's just reiterating that um, and and continuing to show them, you know, where we are getting beaten, uh, where we are getting rolled. Um, and, and they're the areas that um, have been fairly, um, I guess, a common theme for us over the course of this year. Um, the Marcus uh, frustration is an interesting one because clearly, um, you know, the frustration um, part of that was uh, losing by two points um, for all the effort um, that the boys and he had put into uh, into the game. Um, but he was equally as frustrated, you know, being being captain and probably thought he could have made a better decision, you know, right at the death um, with one of his kicks inside 50 that he was really disappointed about. So, you know, the first thing he said to me was just the, just the kick, Granny, just the kick. So so those sort of things um, uh, probably weigh heavily on him because he's such a professional um, and he, you know, uh, thrives on the, on the pressure and the responsibility and he probably thought he had the opportunity as one of the players um, of a few uh, towards the end of the game, our inside 50 kicks were were really ordinary, um, and we didn't maximise the opportunity. So, um, you know, that was probably him showing his frustration, um, not just in the team but himself. Since you turtle, have you seen a player like uh, the Bond dominate a game the way that he does? Uh, other than yourself, John. <laughs> Thanks for the compliment. One, one coming your way. Um, Oh, he's a special player. Uh, I've been asked this very often, and I'm sure you have too, mate, uh, being a Bulldog uh, uh, legend, that you know, he's unique. Um, the fact that he actually looks at me in the eye as a so almost six-foot fourer <laughs> and he plays midfield is quite extraordinary. Um, but he's unique because of um, the consistency he's able to uh, play at, at the absolute highest level. And... You know, he's, he's not an accumulator of the ball, although he, he can get his hands on it um, and be a 30-plus uh, possession-type player. But he's a scoreboard player um, and he's an amazing defensive player. And, you know, what I liken him to is that sort of Michael Jordan um, aspect of his game where it was... a an amazing offensive player, Michael Jordan, um, but you know he was um, multiple um, defensive player of the year um, across the, the, the course of his career as well, yep. and he valued that just as highly. and And that's how Marcus plays. Um, Chris, he's, he's quite amazing. Can I ask? Uh, Brad Johnson is like the Stepford wife of football. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about him is perfect. Oh, Everything about him is nice and neat and perfect. I'm, He's probably the perfect husband, the perfect dad. Oh, too old for this it now. Gives us the shits. Yeah, what was does. the thing that upset you most about Brad Johnson? The, the fact that he is perfect, Dan. That's that's the, <laughs> that's the most. Fr- what did he annoy you with? <laughs> Very. I, I used to live in his back pocket. I annoyed Turtle <laughs> like there was there was there was no tomorrow. I'll save you. I'll save you here, Turtle, because. I've heard a rumour that you, uh, the boys are in the 98 tracksuit in the warm-up. I can see at the moment. Yep. Did you just roll yours out of the cupboard? Because you don't get rid of anything. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a fair bit in the cupboard. Um, that, that garage of mine, as you know, is, is full with a lot of stuff. I'm a hoarder. Um, I'm pretty sure there's an ICI tracksuit in there. So. <laughs> I remember that. That's very good. Hey, just a couple of quick ones to finish, Granny. They've got Where... the ICI logo on these. Yeah, they have. It's yeah. great, isn't it? Yeah. Where will Buku Kamas play tonight? 
He'll play forward. Yeah, um, yeah no, definitely play forward, Jared. And he's been going really well. It's, you know, it's that tall timber brigade that um, has sort of held him back a little bit from um, participating at AFL level uh, for us. Uh, but he's been tremendous um, and very consistent over the last uh, five to six weeks. So. He's earned that opportunity. Um, he's earned the opportunity and, um, and, and kept actually Rory out of the team. Um, so he'll play forward. Um, he's probably going to have to help us in the ruck every now and then. Uh, but it's tremendous. He's just such a, a, a wonderful person. Um, uh, to, to see him get the, the opportunity tonight, really looking forward to it. And how much opportunity will Bailey Smith get in the centre square? <laughs> Uh, I knew that was coming, Jared. You've left it the last. Uh, he'll get a lot of time in the middle, um, as the as the uh, generally as the player, um, as a midfield player that rolls up from half forward. And the reason, um, and I know Luke's touched on this, the reason that that's the case is because his ability to be able to get across the ground is quite extraordinary, really. So he will he'll roll up from from half forward as that that fifth midfielder really, um, and as he continues to work on his craft um, as a um, as an absolute um, you know starting the square uh, centre bounce player, um, he'll get more opportunity in there. Um, so you know he's a professional, he's working hard on it. Um, you know hopefully him back into the team gives us a real spike tonight. Grandy, great to have you with us. Thanks a lot. Thanks, boys. Chris Grant's footy boss at the Bulldogs. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Book a test drive today. Visit hyundai.com.au or your local showroom. This is the AFL Nation pregame show. Beaumont's new Beaumont Max range starts at 20 bucks. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders Real Estate and Tyre Power, your tyre experts. Friday night footy, we are at Marvel Stadium, Essendon and the Western Bulldogs. Our Friday night presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. So we've just touched base with the Western Bulldogs, Jared Waitley, Dwayne Russell, Brad Johnson and Dermot Burton with you. We are inside the Bombers camp here with Daniel Jown, Syracuse. Daniel, great to have you with us on AFL Nation. Guys, thanks for having me. What did you do with last week? How, how much time did you spend on it? How quickly did you cast it aside and start the preparation for tonight? Oh, the one thing that Brad's done consistently throughout the whole year is talked about that every game is evidence and feedback. And um, to be honest, we reviewed it exactly the same as we have all year. So, um, you know, it was a, it was a tough night, obviously. Um, I'm not sure many would have got over the cats down there last week with the mood that they were in, but um, we learned a lot from it, um, and hopefully we can get the game looking like that on our favour against the Dogs tonight. Gee, great to talk to you, mate. What, what is it with GMHBA? What, why can't sides work out? You've got sides that want to go down the night before, two days before, and, and the day of, of the game. What is it with, with uh, just the travel down to Geelong? I just think they're a bloody good side, Jono, yep. <laughs> so to, to put it simply. But oh, the ground's a different shape. Um, you know, Geelong in general, like, they're strong around the contest, so you try and resource that, then it gives them their intercept markers, they bring their high forwards up, and it gives them Cameron and Hawkins. So, um, you know, we thought there was an opportunity if we got the ball to ground, but unfortunately we weren't able to do that. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, it was a real learning curve for us. Um, hopefully we get to play them again at some stage down the track. Cheap as I flicked myself off there, Daniel. Sorry about that. You'd I thought think... you had enough of me already. Yeah, no, I had enough of myself already. Um, you'd think after 20, 
seven thirty years in the meter, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but no, so sorry about that. All good. Can you can you tell us how your forward line will look? Your, your world's best scenario forward line. We know Big Peter's come back in over the last month or so. Does it still contain Kyle Langford, or is that a discovery that you would keep up your sleeve for? for other circumstances. What, what is the perfect forward line you want? Oh, I think we're still trying to find that out to him, even though it's round 20. Um, you know, obviously, Weeds has gone out of the side and he's played some really good footy for us um, when Righty was out. But this mix that we've got tonight is probably what we had with regards to Tools and Smalls in the first half of the year. Kyle's a really interesting player for us because he could play back as well but he's probably been our best forward and most consistent for the year we think he can provide some threats tonight as long, as well as Jake Stringer and and Righty of course and we've got our two rucks that have performed pretty well so um, you know if we can get them enough access I think we can kick a winning score tonight and we've got some threats you know there's there's guys that are putting pressure on in the in that forward line with Guelphie and Snelling. And, um, you know, we've got to try and find the right mix in the midfield as well. So there's going to be midfielders that are resting forward and we think they can pose an attacking threat for us as well. Can I ask, why does it take so long to discover someone like Kyle Langford can play as a forward? Oh, I think, uh, to Kyle's credit, um, his ability to play in all different spots uh, is probably one thing that's not... Um, taken away from his game, but it's it's a real asset. And he's got his head around that, which is a great thing. And because he's got his head around that, even when he's gone forward, he, he's been able to produce for us. Uh, at the start of the year, we were probably thinking him, thinking of him as a wingman or a backman, to be honest. But yep. through necessity, uh, he played down there. But his mindset was just to play any position to the best of his ability, and he's been able to do that. Um, at a really high level for us, which is uh, which is outstanding. The, the only reason I asked that before I hand you back to Bradley is that to talent ID, uh, uh, you said you've, you've moved, as a club, as a coaching box, you move him down there through uh, necessity, but the ability to ID the talent and the traits that they have at their disposal, forwards are such a valuable commodity who can command games and take command of games. Do you think it's worthwhile to try and put more effort into identifying who's on your list and can play forward? Yeah, it's a constant discussion we have, you know, and you don't want to um, rob Peter to pay Paul. But, yeah, that ID is really important. You know, Nick Martin's another one for us. You know, he came to us essentially as a leading full forward and um, now he's a winger at AFL level. So, you know, we've definitely identified that he could be a strength for us down there as well. So... We're constantly doing that. Uh, we've got a really young list, and we've, as I said, it's round 20, but we're still trying to see what the best mix is, um, and that's pretty exciting for us and our supporters, I think. Gee, the other one's Archie Perkins. Tell us the work he's put into to go to another level. We get to judge him two hours you know, a week, but what's he doing behind the scenes to, to push himself to the performances we're witnessing? Oh, he's working really hard. You know, He's a pretty laid-back sort of guy, Archie's... Um, you know, bright and grammar boy, and um, you wouldn't know that he got 97 on his on his ATAR, but um, he he sees the game really well, even though you know he's a pretty cool cat. Um, but essentially, as you know, Jono, you put in the work, you get the reward, and uh, he's another one that's got versatility in his game. Uh, you'll see him inside tonight, but he's obviously a threat forward. So um, yeah, I'm loving the way he's going about it, and sky's the limit for Arch. Tell us about 
Brad as well. And I know the, the approach to the playing group and, and, and the conversations that happen externally around what he's doing and the players speak so highly of his influence in, in the early stages of his coaching career at the Bombers. What about with the assistant coaches? Does he give you freedom to, to coach the way that you want? Yeah, he does. You know, we've got um, a lot of autonomy. Uh, obviously, he's the key decision maker, but we all feel really comfortable to throw our opinions up um and he does he sort of if you if you come out and watch training he takes a back seat he obviously he's taking everything in but we're you know we're running the sessions and um and then he he really works closely with the individual players so he's got the trust in us um and that autonomy is great because we can you know even us as coaches can show our strengths and um yeah it's been going really well so far Gia, we can't let you go without asking the obligatory. Any opposition clubs ask you about your coaching future? <laughs> no, not yet, Dem. But um, you're willing you know, to field calls? Oh, definitely, Dem. You know, I think uh, I aspire to be a senior coach, and yep. you do. Um, yeah, I do. Good. I do. Um, but full focus is on the Bombers and getting a win against the Old Mob tonight. Well, give yourself a pump. But what will be your long suit as a senior coach? What would be your strength? Oh, I think my ability to connect with players is is probably my strength. Um, you know, and I've I've been through different uh, lines that I've coached. I've coached my own side at VFL level, which was you know an amazing thing that Bevo gave to me. And played under some good players as well, Gia, along yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, had uh, had Jono showing me the ropes. So, um, but no, I think the, the connection with players is probably my strength. Yeah, we'll just no, we look after each other. We've always looked after each other because he's an Altona boy, and we always look after each other. The Westies, don't worry about that. Can I just ask you one about Nick Cox quickly? What role, role does he play tonight, G? Yeah, uh, he'll play on a wing. Yeah, um, you know, but he's obviously really versatile. To be honest, we've probably been trying to get him into the side over the last three or four weeks. Uh, he got a little bit crook a couple of weeks ago, which set him back just to not be selected in the AFL side. But uh, he's an exciting talent. The good thing about the way we've done it this time is he's had four games in the VFL. So he's ready to go and he's hopefully going to pose some headaches for the dogs tonight. Do, um, Bombers supporters would, say, would ask the question, and I'm obligated to ask you, is he brittle? Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. You know, he's a young guy that's 200 yep. centimetres. Yeah. Um, so he's going to take a bit of time. He was thrown into the cut and thrust. I think I read somewhere today he played 22 of 23 in his first year. Um, but the one thing he's going to work on is his contest stuff. Um, to be honest, he's another one where we're still trying to find out where his best position is. But um, he'll play wing time tonight and he'll pose some headaches for the dogs. How much work, Gia, do you put into the fundamentals of the game? We talk about the, the basic skill levels left, right and all those sort of things and they continually pop up. Are they a, are they a big focus at the, at the club? Yeah, it is. Cam Roberts is our development manager and he puts in a lot of time um, with the boys and... You know, with their development plans and stuff like that, they actually own that, the players, but uh, especially when you get to um, the pointy end of the year, the fundamentals yep. are the key part of the game, and um, we work on those every single week. And Bradley, so just like I looked at Chris Langford down the other end, did you get frustrated seeing a better-looking bloke in your team than, <laughs> than you? I had a girlfriend like, there for a while, like and she went, oh, that you... G in Syracuse is very good-looking. Yes. The girls love another you, level. Didn't they? Another level, G. Yeah. Another level. You should be in Hollywood, Daniel. <laughs> probably stick to coaching, Dan. Yes, Thanks. Yeah. We'll probably best let you go on that note, I reckon. No. <laughs> Daniel, great to have Thank you with you. us. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Good God. luck, G. Daniel G. on Syracuse inside the Essendon camp. Uh, this TAC and AFL Victoria road safety round band together to honour lives lost on our roads.
All right, we'll broaden out our conversation to the topics of the week and then zero get back much in. Broader than on who's this. the best looking bloke on the list? <laughs> there was, <laughs> it was cheer than daylight. <laughs> yeah, he's he's an extraordinarily. Yeah. You should actually expand on this, Jared. He is an extraordinarily good looking man. Send your text through for Dan, best looking bloke <laughs> on your club's list. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Who's your best looking player? Not not the one you love the most, or who? Who's your Gene Syracuse? Who's your Daniel Gene Syracuse? Trevor Barker. Uh, Lockie Waller at Gold Coast. He's a good looking young lad, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Piggy Dunst. <laughs> I feel like we've played very wide on the wings already. Yeah, right. And quite loose, actually. This is the AFL Nation pregame show. Beaumont's new Beaumont Max range starts at 20 bucks. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders Real Estate and Tire Power, your tire experts. Friday night footy, the Bombers and the Bulldogs on AFL Nation for Elders Real Estate and for Tire Power, four for three on selected Falcon tires. It's been a busy week of discussion off the field with the futures in sight. Do you think it was promising, Dwayne, that the incoming chief executive wanted to have the discussion around is there a better way to do the flawed fixture. Oh, I don't think you rule everything out first and then have the discussion. You allow everything to be on the table and then you start ruling things out. So, I mean, if you want to find out whether that should be ruled out, the 17-6 idea should be ruled out, well, you put it on the table, see how many rule it out, and if they all rule it out, then it's ruled out. But at least it's been given to the CEOs to, to give it a run. And as you know and I know, we've had so many people with great ideas that, I mean, I think Champion Data's idea, or someone from Champion Data, I won't name him, but took the three six-team conferences to um, the AFL a few years ago with an 18-team comp because it would be perfectly even. You play everyone in your six-team conference twice and everyone in the other two six-team conferences once, and that brings you to, I think it's 24 games per team, and it's a perfectly even way to go. So... You know, but those things, some things are so non-AFL and non-traditional that they will never happen. But I, I do like the idea of putting those non-traditional AFL things on the table to at least give them some consideration. I mean, a bit like the night grand final. It might never happen, the night grand final, but it's, it is something that I think will continue to be thrown at the CEOs. And if they keep knocking it back, it'll never happen. We might go to twilight, we might not. Um, it's, it's a... It's silly to stay in our own bubble and never investigate what's outside of it. Yeah, and we have such a flawed fixture. We do. That, so I like the way Andrew Dillon framed it to the room. He said, we haven't done the work yet. These, are, these have always been the proposals. Would you like us to go away and do the actual work and present alternatives to find out whether the clubs would sit there and go, no, no, just leave us with our 24 rounds, ridiculous though they are. No, there's an appetite in the room going, the inequality now is too extreme. If you can find a better way, do the work and then come back to us at a future point. Can you have a fair fixture with the blockbuster still attached to it? Uh, I think you can if you have the 6-6 six, six and 6-3 six, franchise system. Yeah. Do you think that should ever be investigated, Gerald, or you don't like that either? Uh, oh, well, I can see the merit. At, so not three, but I can see the merit in two, mm. which you can get to work in a similar way but no so we are there will be compromises so even in the 17-6 from what I heard out of the room subsequently now that the dust has settled is the teams who have their local derbies want them twice so, so be 17 be plus one 17 plus, plus one six. then six yep. so 
we do have all these little mm. add-ons along the way that that everyone is not prepared to let go in the search of something totally fair. But I still think people forget the legacy of this. We had a 12-team competition. We played 22 rounds. That means you played 11 teams at home Mm, and 11 teams teams away. away. I honestly think people in charge of this at times have forgotten, why didn't we have 22 and why did we go to 23 and 24? (laughs) Mm. Oh, 22 actually used to make sense. Mm. So we're we're clinging to the remnants of an idea that was spot on and trying to implant it on something where it makes no sense whatsoever. So what we also have coming into this, and we're talking about the equity of it and the fairness of it and how to best achieve that result. What also comes into it is the wish list of clubs. Now, some a well-worn statement is Collingwood don't ever travel. They hardly ever travel. Because the wish list of every Melbourne club is when you put in your five requests each year, number one is we want a home game against Collingwood. So they... These teams get granted their wish list, and Collingwood gets to stay in Melbourne for the and play at the MCG for the other team's home game, because you know the Collingwood Army will bring along sixty thousand payers, and so that affects the way that we balance out this this draw. Mm. It, it, sacrilege to say, but the twenty-two you've just spoken about how we arrived at that. They're never coming back from 22, 23 rounds. Because of the rights and because of the money, extra rounds means selling proportionately extra money on top. So we're only ever going to get... This is another beef of mine, is the seasons are getting longer with more space in between games. I don't know why we have to have so many weeks off. It gets to me. That's another argument as well. Um, so but, with playing with playing games and with with the season not adjusting in the, the amount of games, do you think we need to adjust the game length? But only per quarter. So I'm not talking a huge amount. We've already but done a, that. But a significant We've shift. We've done that. Not a significant shift. A small shift, I should say. So 18 minutes from... quarters plus time on rather than 20, and then all of a sudden you can have more five day breaks, which the players' association have mm. given some consideration to. We came down from 25 and time on to 20 and time on. And there was a couple of uh, riders on that. There was certain little areas where we never used to run the time on. We do now. So it's, it's definitely less, but not significantly less. That might be a significant change. Would you, You'd look at everything. So it'll stay 20, but there'll be little tinkerings with time on to try to just bring things back a fraction. Yep. Where quarters are finishing at 25, not at 32. Yeah, or sort of maybe more likely sort of between 27 and 29 rather than 32 and 35. You're like the oracle. We ask you a question (laughs) and you answer, Jared, (laughs) and and we mount the case from there. Does the CEO still get bonuses for increased crowds, for increased viewership? Because when we started going through the stage a couple of decades ago where the CEO of the AFL started to get monstrous bonuses for extra crowds, the inequity in the draw started to become more <laughs> pronounced because yeah. we got the <laughs> big drawing crowds playing each other twice. Yeah. So I think the answer to that is the executive gets bonuses based on those sorts of parameters, yes. So that, that, that that's also practice? going to yeah. affect? Is, is it... This is where I think... I think the 17, whatever, and then 666 is really interesting because it works for the first... Six, mm. you will have an endless stream of blockbusters, mm. and then you'll have an extraordinary number of dead rubbers for the bottom six who you've ruled out mm. at 17, 
and then the middle will be middling. Mini playoffs. So you would yeah. absolutely maximise the top end of the competition, but you would play finals for six weeks before you then played finals for another. You, you would have an 11-week run of these games, and that's too much. Could you dangle a carrot to the bottom six so that they play for something? I can't think what that would be because it can't be for draft picks. Like North Melbourne and West Coast, no matter how much you motivate them, they're not beating anybody at the moment. And they need the draft pick. So it can't be a sixth tournament where you're playing for pick one because the cast teams are cast for a reason. So I can't figure that part of it out. You still the can't let the easy. horse racing terminology get their cast. <laughs> yeah. The middle's easy because you give them the two yep. slots. But yep. that's, that's your wild card. So the, the wild card discussion I find frustrating because it's not framed right. And if they actually wanted to do it, they would have to frame it right. So we would actually have a top six, not a top eight anymore. You'd have a top six and you'd have four wild card positions. So you're raising the bar. You're not lowering it. You're not rewarding mediocrity. You're actually going, hey, the death seats here are seven and eight. You better be finishing sixth. And it would look that way on the ladder. It would be six with a line and then be four spots that had WC next to them. And, and a, then the rest. If you could protect against the mediocrity of 9 and 10. But the, the, that argument also, I think, is flawed in that when we had a 4 and we moved to the 5, did people at that time say, well, you're awarding mediocrity, you're letting 5th in. Well, we don't need 5th in. <laughs> and then when we went from the 5 to the 6, did we say, oh, you're awarding mediocrity, letting that stupid team in 6 in. They're not good enough to finish in no, the top 5, five and then 12, we went to the 8. What's, what's 5 out of 12? But most competitions in Australia now have 50% or more make their playoffs. A-League has 50%. Big Bash did have, and they're going back to a four to shorten the season, but they had five of eight make the finals or playoffs last year. So the A-League does it. The NBL And there's a reason why they've gone back to four. Because it rewards mediocrity. Well, no, I think it's to shorten the season. The <laughs> isn't it? So there's a well, fair chance. Yeah, fair enough. There's a fair chance eighth versus ninth as a game would be a barn burner. And there's a pretty good chance 7th versus 10 would be entertaining. Okay. Some of so your terminology, what's a barn burner? A, a, just an amazingly good game. All the marbles. You're playing for all the marbles. And yep. there are two teams who are pretty much alike. Eight and nine are pretty much alike. And you're talking about crowds. So who would go and watch the Sydney Swans from now on if they're dead? So we just played 17 games. So at this point in the season, we would be making the cut. 17 games have just been had. And I know some teams have played each other twice. So yep. it doesn't quite work. But Sydney's 14th. They don't fit. They haven't made the top two sixes. So their season's now over for the rest of the year. Do they draw a crowd now at the SCG? Are people going to still go and watch Sydney play Hawthorne, Sydney play North, Sydney play the West Coast? Because that's who they're going to play from now on. Yeah, I, that, that's the bit that doesn't quite work. And the rider to that is the presentation was done. Do you want us to go and explore what this mm. could look like? And that's where, in the exploration phase, that's where the answer might come from. Because it can't be, you can't be playing six weeks of six teams dead rubbers. That, that, it's, it's actually, it's no good for the teams and it's no good for the fans. And is crowd maximisation in some way flawed in that, with Collingwood, for example, if you play Collingwood and the Gold Coast at the MCG, you're going to get, what, 60,000, 65,000 maybe? Collingwood, North Melbourne, MCG, same, Collingwood. But if you play them at the Gold Coast, Hobart, yeah. you're, going to get, you're going to get full house and it'll look good. But that percolate pre-game for Penrite Oil. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders Real Estate and Tyre Power. Your tyre experts. 
You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders Real Estate and Tyre Power, your tyre experts. Friday night, footy Essendon and the Western Bulldogs. AFL Nation is for Elders Real Estate and for Tyre Power, four for three on selected Falcon tyres. The teams are in, they are as selected. The subs, <clears throat> Nick Hine for the Bombers and Bailey Williams for the Bulldogs. Our Friday night presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. Jared Waitley, Dwayne Russell, Dermot Brereton and Brad Johnson with you. It's, it's midwinter, it's round 19, everyone's getting a bit chippy with each other. I've enjoyed the sparring between North Melbourne and St Kilda. I think that's been excellent. <laughs> that's been great. I didn't realise there was going to be sparring between Port Adelaide and Collingwood. So Braden Maynard had sort of, well, we'll play you and he toss it and bring your best. And over the border in South Australia, Ken Hinckley was prepared to take the bait. Next week, a massive game. How excited are you guys about the challenge that Port Adelaide presents? We love every challenge that comes our way. We're sitting on the top of the ladder for a reason, so Port better bring the A game because we're coming over there and um, we're going to give it our best. When you get two generational plays in fathers and son, probably three at Collingwood, so that's a gift that they've been given and they're, going to, they're maximising it at the moment. For us, the challenge is to, to limit what they get. You know, the collective is going to be more important than, than one or two individuals and we're playing the best team in the competition by their admission. They are the best team in the competition. They've, they've said that themselves publicly. Um, you know, July's a good time to be ranked one. I love this this so much. There should be more of it. We should do everything we can to encourage it. Fighting words. That's a good T-shirt right there. (laughs) July ranked one. I tell you what, though, he makes a great point. Their two best players are father-sons. Isn't that a bloody win? That's a massive Massive win. Three three, I know he said three. Who's the third? So you've got more. Darcy Moore. Yeah, Yeah. Well, Josh Dacos is going to be all-Australian wing, isn't he? So they've got Josh Dacos, he's got Nick Dacos. Nick Dacos, yeah. but Josh is up. He's, yeah, he's in the consideration. I, I, I can't see him beating some others, but I love it, though. I, I, I love the fact that there's a little bit of edginess now about it. I remember back when, I think it was the Blues said, we're coming, that was there. And the, and the Bombers come back with, well, we're waiting. And I thought that was just sensational. So, you know, when you've got two teams that are, obviously Carlton Essendon and Rivalry, that, I thought that was, that was brim. But when you've got this top of the table, Collingwood, Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide want the prison bars. We know that. All the little layers that go with these two teams and their, and their history, I think this is, this is just set up for an absolute ripper. I love it when somebody's the best and I grew up in the era of, and they say it, I grew up in the era of watching Muhammad Ali. <laughs> I am the greatest. <laughs> he introduced it to the world. I am the greatest. And people sat back and went, oh, that is so, actually, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> Collingwood are the best team in the comp. That's, they're right. It's up to the rest of the 17 others to, to do something about it. And the team which is seeded second at this point in time, they've got a chance tomorrow night. Yeah, and you want you want your whole group feeling it. They think they're the best. Oh, Kenny would have played this during the week. Yeah, so you, sure. So in behind, so everyone's yes. usually publicly insufferably polite, but behind the scenes, this has got to be part of it, doesn't oh, yeah, it? Yeah, definitely, definitely part of it in terms of, and and that's a bit of old school coming out, I think too. And I think Kenny's got a little bit of that. Well, they did attack Max Gorn a few weeks ago. Port, yep. they got it wrong. With who they put on Nick Dacos the first time around, Lockie Jones, uh, Jones isn't probably the guy that you'd put on him. Um, so they've got to find someone for Nick Dacos. Do they go? Do they go try and push Darcy Moore around? 
when are they going to go for the head of the snake? Who do they try and I like it when ruffle team, up? <laughs> I like it when teams go hunting. Mm. <laughs> mm. They tell us a bit about what they believe the psyche of the opposition is. It's mm. a good point you make, though. Do you go after the Dacos or do you go after the captain? Yeah, they went after the captain with Melbourne. I don't mind that. I mean, they're more experienced guy, even though Dacos is arguably their best player, but they still have to shut him down, Dacos. Mm. That's huge. We used to write up on the board, kill the head and the body mm. will die. You used to actually put names on your whiteboard, <laughs> Dermot? Did you, did Alan put names on? Oh, my Well, you didn't have a whiteboard. My, it would have been chalk back then. Oh, on the blackboard with the chalk. We, we had them both. Right. <laughs> you were big time, Dwayne. You were a successful club if you had a chalkboard mm. next to the whiteboard. <laughs> And Jeansy. Yeah, you don't break your arm on the Yabby had oh, yes. the most impeccable handwriting oh, did he? as well. Yeah. Right. He used From to the do police it, force, he used to fill, used to fill out those forms. Scroll. It was a pleasure to look at your name. Did he turf any chalk at you or anything for you? No, no. But he could. Teacher did a number of times, no doubt, for you. What's that? The teacher would have hit you with a duster a few times down the back of the class. Are you trying to tell me you never got the strap? I was always up the front with the good kids. Oh, yes. Oh, come on. I'm getting sick. People um, don't even know what the strap is. There's kids listening to this program that don't realise when you misbehaved at school when we were young, the headmaster hit you. You know, that's yeah. a different time. Headmaster, I didn't make it to the headmaster. <laughs> <laughs> we, kids, what we used to have, your, your, your teacher or your dad would be tremendously upset with you. And you remember you'd hear the... That was the undoing of the belt. And then you'd hear... <laughs> you knew you were in big trouble when you heard... Flicker, 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 flicker. Because that was, the belt getting, that was the belt getting dragged through the eyelets oh. around his pants. Oh. And if it came out quicker, you knew he was really aggressive and oh, you were in for it. The evolution of conversation, mm. hey, where we started. Where I'm we, lucky my where dad we never are, hit me. Jared, you, oh, you, <laughs> you <laughs> never <laughs> got strapped, did you? Have you ever been strapped? In the collective, <laughs> this is the injustice of the world, <laughs> mm. twice, where the whole class got the strap. Oh, there you it is, because, because the person that was wrong didn't own up. Is that why? Uh, I can't remember. It's probably just too much rowdiness. So mm. everyone just up and down the mm. aisle. Yeah, no, there's no justice in the world. So, so how did they justify that system then, in the system where if you get caught fighting, then you got hit? That's a weird system we grew up in, isn't it? <laughs> it is. What do you mean? If you, well, if you got if caught lost... fighting, it's wrong to fight. It's wrong to hit somebody. Yeah. So you're going to now get hit <laughs> by the headmaster. That, that, that is a bizarre thing to learn at school. But what if you got caught fighting and you got beaten up? Mm. Did you also cop the strap? You probably did. No, well, you wouldn't know. Well, loser twice over. <laughs> um, I think so. Hit, did Plough would have had hit lists, wouldn't he, Johnny? Oh, we, had the, we used to have the, the, just the big black line around the target player for, for that particular Can you remember game. any names? Oh... Crikey. To answer your question, um, Wayne Johnson, we used to try and attack him. It wasn't always the, the very best play, but 90% of the time it was because Tony Liberatore would be either going to that player mm. and the team support for Libba was, was critical for him to be successful in that role as, as strong as he was mentally to win those duels. Can you remember a name, Bradley? So, Joel, so 98, Libba comes back from his knee. You all went for James Hurd. Does that ring a bell? Ooh. Not off the top of my head. Demo Romero. It doesn't. Luba. Those three probably just teed that up themselves. To, what about to Richmond? Go, to go Nighty. about it. No, that was that wasn't a, 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 a set. That just that just escalated on on game. That day. was organic, that, wasn't that, it? That, that very much escalated. <laughs> um, and then what about Big Gardner from 
from West Coast. West Coast. That, was, that was the defenders as well. I knew nothing of that, Derm. Nothing of You've that. You've had a lot all. of people just mm. going rogue. What do they call it? Broken Danny Arrow. Southern? Was the Danny Southern incident? Arrow. That was the one with Gardner, was it? Danny Southern? No, that was, yeah, that was... That was Southern and Matty Dent. Matty Dent. Matty Dent. Stevie Crediork and those, those boys. <laughs> took did, on. But that was the last game of the Winnobles. Did Blighty so. have one? And I keep always getting I, – I can't – shouldn't say it because I forget which Scott brother it was, but Nick Rewald as well. It's been a few of those happen over time. Yeah, and some, some do – definitely some evolve in, in, in the game. Mm. Some, definitely. But, mm. but there are aspects around that premeditation mm. of – we're going to restrict his influence. Mm. It was never, and to be perfectly honest with with you, it was never in a in a in a way that was outside of of the game. It was never instructed in that way to, to us in our time. No, we it was just we never strong... had it outside of the game either, Bradley. So we, but we, times were different. It was yeah. By today's standards, it was very outside the game. Yeah, Mark yeah. Yates That's right. too, by the way. So who did you have? I was lucky enough to play under Blighty. Blighty was a very attacking coach. The the whole Mark Yates thing was a surprise to me when it unfolded, but it was more a case of don't let – the way I understand it at the time, and sometimes your mind plays tricks on you and you you rewrite history in your own mind because so much has been written and said about it, so you can't even think back to how it really was. But my understanding of it was we were worried about you running through someone else. At the centre bounce. So it was, don't let Derm run through. I've heard that rubbish. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> Come on, other teams, other teams. Who? Cause I remember we used to circle Timmy Watson's name. Mm. Limit him. Whenever you can tackle him and take him to ground, you make him. Um, Simon Madden, any third man up has to put the knee into mm. him. Things like so we that. Had, we had the Ruckman every week because the Ruckman would sit behind the ball. So if there was a, a bounce on centre wing, the Ruckman would run from the back line. To here, to, yep. to centre wing. Yep. And we'd be doing everything we possibly could as forwards to stop that Ruckman. Yep. So he'd get there late, but lose, they'd and, lose the yeah, clearance yeah. and do that. So we'd always have a set play on the, uh, on the, on the Ruckman every, every single week for that reason. Listen to the relish in Dermot Burton's voice. Mm. Straight oh, into yeah. this topic. We've taken him down a beautiful <laughs> rabbit warren, not just a hole. It leads to so many different directions. And you as the host, like I am when I have Derm on once a week on a Thursday, you never really know when to pull up and say no more holes, Dermot. Uh, we've gone too far down and not sure what's going to be down there. Can I, can, I'll give you one last one. And it's clean and it's not... So we were playing against Essendon once, and there was a, a fellow who ended up being a, 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 an official behind the counter with football clubs, Keane. Remember, was it Gavin Keane? Nuts Keane, I think his name was. And his first game, as was legal in the day, I ran through him. And he was getting carted off. And Sheedy, Kevin decided to make, it was a little bit Brent Croswell-ish. He sent the runner out. And I'm standing at centre-half forward while there was a stop in play after a goal. And my man ran off around one side of the square, my opponent, I think it was Hamilton. And then from the other side, from centre-half forward, coming in a clockwise direction also, but counteracting Hamilton Mm. going, was a bloke called Roger. (laughs) 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 And big, big Roger came around the square. And I remember thinking to myself, Oh, he's one I'm going to probably lose. <laughs> but you've got to fly the flag anyway. And big Roger came up and I thought, right, he's, will he come up and just go bang? Or will he wait for me to lead and just crack me in the back of the head? How's this going to unfold? But I, I can't show I'm scared of him. And he walked up and he just looked at me and he said, Keen, hey? 
And I just went, yeah, what of it? And he said, you keep neat and tidy, and so will I. And I went, you got a deal, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> I've never agreed to a passive outcome so quickly in my life. <laughs> he was a strong man, wasn't he? Oh, he was big and yeah. nasty, and yeah. he was terrifying. The all-new Hyundai Kona is here. Bigger and bolder. Book a test drive today. Visit hyundai.com.au for your local showroom. Our major sponsor is the TAC. Band together this round. Safety round. TAC. We are at Marvel Stadium. It's the Dons and the Dogs coming up. The AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont's new Beaumont Max range starts at 20 bucks. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders Real Estate and Tire Power, your tire experts. It's a bit of choose your own adventure about tonight's pregame as we just drift off in varying directions with Dermot Burton, our presenting Sorry partner. Friday night footy is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. Did, did you hear the Simon Goodwin uh, defence of Brodie Grundy, the pushback yes. against yep. all of the extent? What, what did you think of the logic there? I get the, the, uh, the notion... What did you think of the logic? I thought it was company talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. You're obligated to say it. Yeah, yeah. Obligated to say it. Underneath, we'll revisit that in in two, three months' time, and we'll just say, yeah, well, he was obligated to say that, but that's not what's transpired. You reckon he really comes across like that, Goody? Well, I think he I has think he's to pretty do... on. I think he's pretty honest with the way that he. Oh, he wants talks. He wants it. He to wants work. it to work. But he, you don't yeah. think it will, and then that's they'll utopia. Revi- though, and then they'll revisit it. Hey, if it works, it's utopia in a football sense. Because if Brody can somehow become a three-goal forward of the footy player who can relieve in the ruck, that's great. That's utopia. We don't think it's going to happen. I, I think he would believe that's his wildest imagination running rampant. Um, and if Max keeps playing like this. There's no position for Brody because I can't see him kicking, averaging three a game in the reserves. So there's no position for him there unless something... Oh, it's the two big moves. Max steps on a nail when he gets out of bed. Spot on. The two big moves for Melbourne is Petrarca to half forward and Gorm one out in the ruck. And that's changed the dynamic of the way they're playing their footy completely. Viney has, has oh, really Viney. picked up the slack. He's been sensational. He's t- wound so back good. the clock a bit. So yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I've, 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 so to answer the question, I, I, he said exactly what I thought he'd say. Yep. Um, good on him. You can't say anything else. No, you've got to you, defend your player. You, and you need Grundy absolutely cutting edge motivated for the day that Gorn pings his hamstring don't, and don't suddenly it. you're in. <laughs> and to be to be totally honest, he's a fantastic player. If if at season's end somebody does come for it with an un, un, an offer you can't refuse, yeah. it's it's true. He's I, a fantastic player. I reckon this is the bit that um, we need to make sure he's hearing. This is only done because we all think Brody Grundy is the top three, four ruckman in the competition. If you're playing as the number one ruckman, no, yeah, no one. It's not a slight on Grundy. It's the total opposite. Oh, mate, go. Go be a 90% Ruckman yeah. and go against him, not with him. Is so, it correct that he could three, two clubs could be paying his, three clubs could be paying his wage? Yeah, yeah, there is a scenario in which that happens. Has that ever happened before? No, no. I, I sort of feel like we're, that in, is crazy, we're in unique. That, that concept that. was unique yeah. and the ramifications. So what did, what did they pay to get him, Melbourne? 
Uh, well, I think I think rule of thumb is that Collingwood's paying two fifty no, out no, of a million. No, no, draft pick. What did they pay to get yeah. Brody Grundy? Yeah. Because they might get more from Sydney. Yeah. I mean, the the selection pressure has been good for Gorn. So if they win the flag and he doesn't play, or they win the flag and he does play, then the end is going to justify the means. And if he does end up getting sold for a really high price, because Sydney might pay a bit for him. Curveball on that. Max is 31. Brody Grundy's 29. Brody will outlast Max, but by how long? Well, if he's not playing crash and bash footy every week, it's going to save him at least because Max is going to be crash and bash every game as the number one ruckman for Melbourne from here on to the end of his career. So can't pick 27 waiting. Was, you can't sit there waiting for no, the other guy to get old. Yeah. But if somebody's paying his wage for the next two years, yeah, I know. That's right. So the team has secured Brody Grundy in exchange for pick 27. Mm. Well, they'll get a lot more yep. than that from Sydney or somebody or Port Adelaide, won't they? But oh, if yeah. you are determined so to move they, him on, they, they can sit, right. sit on something comparable to the 27. So let me ask you this. Would they get enough for Brody Grundy to be able to have their first round pick? They got pick four from Fremantle already coming for them, haven't they, for the Jackson trade? And whatever they get for Brody Grundy to try and trade into pick one for Harley Reid. Yeah, so I think that's the scenario in which... So you've you got an asset cheap. Yep. You enrich the asset, and now you trade up to try to put together the package to tempt West Coast. Mm, three first-round picks for Harley Reid. Yep. Got a feeling that there'll be a few clubs trying to lure that number one choice out of West mm. Coast. There'll be, there'll be some favourable offers to yep. West Coast. They will improve their draft order dramatically. Not improve, because they've got number one, but improve their overall draft hand. So my rule of thumb with West Coast is, is there a scenario in which they can get the three best kids in Western in Australia? West Australia. Yep. Inside 15. And if you could, you'd have to, you'd have, you'd have to have studied it much closer than I mm. have. But if you could get the three best kids in Western Australia for one, I would do that deal. That's an if, because could you say that those three kids are worth Harley Reid? I think the three... The three absolute best kids in Western Australia are better than one pick. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Sorry, sorry I, didn't, mm. I didn't phrase that right. Could you suggest that Harley Reid is worth those three picks? I don't think he Yeah, but that's where becomes, the right club he would be. Yeah, but that's where it becomes tempting too from a West three Coast perspective. Three players. Yeah. But that, that maybe helps them Each one so Melbourne don't need So Melbourne don't need three early picks. No, but there are three if players in the West Coast in the, in, uh, coming out of West Australia that are going to be... Each one of them has a chance to be a, a champion player as opposed to one that won that yeah. has a chance to be a champion well, player. Well, I think West Coast from, win that. Example oh, from a couple yeah. of years ago. So Geelong's got three players out of the top 20 from the Jamari Hagen draft. So Jamari Hagen was pick one. one. Geelong's got Max Holmes, Ollie Henry and Tanner Bruin now out of that top 20. So that's not a bad threesome. You, would you still take Jamari Hagen ahead of those three on your list? Probably, I probably would. But you've got to mm. get, you, when you're at the bottom, you've got to get at least two drafts right with the youngsters you get in. And it's got to be the collective. Because when I was drafted with the four guys, within three years, I was the only one left of those guys. And that's consistent over, over time. The clubs that are successful in their build get those two, possibly three, if you're lucky, drafts in a row right. So within five years of that, all those guys are playing together for that period of time, and then you and then you go with a collective of 10 guys taking your group forward, mm. not trying to get 
what about Essendon got three as well. Through. Perkins, Cox, and uh, who's the third one? Brian, is it? Who they? Who was the yeah, three they picked Brian. in a row? Possibly. They had three picks in a row. What seven, eight, nine, or six, seven, eight? Yep. In that draft, so yeah, Essendon kind of did the same thing as well. Got well, three draft picks it. in the you top ten. Right. That's what 18, 19 years ago Hawthorne did with Roughhead, Franklin, Lewis. Lewis. That's right. But then it, that was the main one. But then exactly. either side the of one. that, you yep. still had yeah. you still had some. Decent players that had excellent careers. So they all they had probably in the end you probably had eight, Purchase, eight players, yeah, yeah, eight players that that played all their footy together and took you and become superstars that took your team to where they went to. The all new Hyundai Kona is here, bigger and bolder. Book a test drive today. Visit hyundai.com.au or your local showroom. We will zero in here shortly. The warm ups are just coming to a close as the Bulldogs trot off the field. The two teams were as selected, so no late changes tonight. I will take you through the changes for the remainder of the round. With uh, We're back to the Friday through Sunday slate. So lots of teams to go through as we set you up for round 19. The starting point of it, under the closed roof at Marvel. The teams that sit 7th and 8th on the ladder. Essendon, the home team, the Western Bulldogs. AFL Nation, our pre-game show is for Beaumont's new Beaumont Max range. Starts at 20 bucks.